for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, his newborn Son, our Savior Jesus the Christ. What have you lost, and what kind of panic was there? I was playing golf about 30 years ago at the Oak Hills Country Club as a guest. I often take off my wedding ring before I begin a round, but for some reason that day I didn't do so. But as we played along, at some point I decided to take it off and put my ring in my pocket. Later in the round, I pulled the tee out of the pocket. I could still feel that my ring was there and all was good. But when we finished and we were getting ready to go home, I reached in my pocket and said, "Uh uh-oh. My friend heard me and asked, did you lose something? Yes, I said. Your wallet? He asked. No. I said, your keys? No. I said, worse, my wedding ring. So I went back to the pro shop and talked to the guy behind the counter, and he was rather optimistic, though I wasn't, and I had to go home and tell Connie. It was a great relief to get a phone call later that afternoon that somebody had picked up my ring on the tee box of the 17th hole and had turned it in. We were both happy, and I drove back the next day, greatly relieved, and put my ring back on. Losing a wallet, losing your keys, losing a wedding ring, but to lose a child, that's a parent's worst nightmare. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder the word of God, Luke chapter 2, and to consider this question. Where are you looking for Jesus? People God dearly loves. I'm going to start with this. It's something I know and I think you know as well. The chronology of the church year doesn't exactly mesh with the events recorded in the Gospels. Now, the first example is that we do not know the exact date of Christmas, and we don't need to worry about that. As I've told a number of you, my frequent prayer when I was over in Israel as we visited different sites was, Oh Lord, help these people to know and believe that these things really happened, but don't let them be preoccupied by discovering that this is the exact place. The same is true of the dating of many of the events, the true events that really happened and are recorded in the scriptures. All of that means this. Christmas was eight days ago on our calendar. On the eighth day, counting Christmas as the first, Jesus was named and circumcised. That's yesterday, January 1st. But last Sunday, December 26th, the day after Christmas, Jesus was already 40 days old and heading into Jerusalem for the rites of purification and presentation. And today, a week later, he's 12 years old, heading back to Jerusalem for a Pentecost festival. Yet on this coming Thursday, January 6th, we'll see Jesus as a toddler, a little guy worshipped by strange strangers from the east who follow the star to the new king. 
Maybe you've heard Pastor Nuttleman or me say this before. Luke loves the temple. From chapter 1 to chapter 24, he tells Christ's story with the temple as a frequent setting. From Zechariah burning incense and being met by an angel, to Simeon and Anna meeting the 40-day-old Messiah. From the parable of the praying of the Pharisee and the tax collector to the very last verse of Luke's last chapter. And the disciples were continually in the temple blessing God. Only Luke, in his continued narrative of Jesus' birth and childhood, includes this story, today's gospel reading. It's in the spring. It's Passover time. And Passover is one of the three Jewish pilgrimage festivals. So Joseph and Mary went up according to custom. Now, they weren't alone. Other devout Jews from Nazareth and probably nearby villages walked south with them. They stayed for the special days of feasting and praying and celebrating the flight from Egypt. Then began the trek back north. They walked for a day toward home. Then when they stopped to set up camp for the night, Mary and Joseph started asking their friends and relatives, Is Jesus with you? Have you seen our son today? And maybe they heard, no, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him since yesterday in Jerusalem. Did you ask Seth and Miriam? He likes to play and talk with their boys. I made up those names. They're not in the text. It was too late to walk back that night. Their sleep, I think, would have been fitful. But they were up at the crack of dawn to return to Jerusalem with the little searching that day and more the next day until on the third day as they walk through the temple courts for one last time, Joseph and Mary see a group of scholars huddled together. And as they get closer, they hear and they recognize a voice they know. There is Jesus sitting among the teachers, listening and asking and answering their questions. I wonder, did his parents barge through the crowd and interrupt the conversation? Did they point to him and say, young man, come with us? Now, if you look at the cover of your worship folder, it suggests that they took him away from those curious men first. And it was then that Mary said, Son, why have you treated us so? Your father and I have been worried and frantic in our search for you. But Jesus replies calmly, Why were you looking for me? Don't you know that I must be in my father's house? No. They didn't know that. Mary and Joseph did not understand Jesus' reply, not then, not yet. So the promised one went back to Nazareth with them and was submissive, Luke tells us, in the rest of his growing up. And Jesus waited 18 more years to publicly reveal his identity and his mission. Was Jesus lost His mother and his father thought he was, his guardian father, we should say. The rest of the pilgrims from Nazareth thought he was lost. And 
Perhaps the scholars in the temple must have wondered if this boy had wandered away, this precocious youngster, was he lost, was he separated from his parents? Was Jesus lost? More than a few years ago, there was a way too popular phrase that I saw on way too many bumper stickers. It read, I found it. Now, I want to put the best construction on this, and I believe it was supposed to be a Christian witness, meaning something like this. I found salvation because I found Jesus. But Jesus is never lost. Jesus never needs to be found. Rather, he is the one who seeks and who finds the lost. The runaway sheep, the rollaway coin, the two rebellious sons. And yes, it is only Luke who includes those three parables in his gospel. Now, I hope you notice that the sermon title isn't this question. Where did you find Jesus? Instead, I'm asking, where are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking in the manger? That's the right place to look. The word became flesh to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. But he doesn't stay in the manger in the stable. That's only Jesus' temporary crib. Are you looking for him in the arms of aged Simeon? That's another right place, for he is taken into Jerusalem to be presented and to be redeemed, to be the firstborn of all the redeemed children of God, and to be the reason we can all say, I'm ready to depart in peace. Will you be looking for him on Epiphany? Will you be looking back in Bethlehem when the Magi arrive to discover and rejoice that the king of the Jews is also their king and their savior? But then the Holy Family has to escape to Egypt to escape the rage of Herod. So where are you looking? In the manger, in the stable, in a rented house in Bethlehem, in a camp in Egypt up north in Nazareth? where he might have been playing tag with the other children or maybe in the carpentry shop surrounded by sawdust and wood shavings. Mary and Joseph are both surprised to find Jesus in his father's house. Have they forgotten the promises of Scripture? Have they forgotten who Jesus really is? Have they forgotten that he is the very Son of God? I'll ask again. Where are you looking for Jesus? And I'll tell you where you and I must always be looking for and finding him. We should look for him on the cross, where he suffers in payment for your sin and for mine, where he wins righteousness in place of guilt, where the greatest sacrifice was made, greater than any offered in the Jerusalem temple. We should look for him on the cross. We should always look at the cross. And we should look for him in the tomb, where first he rests, as we too will rest in death, until he bursts out in victory, setting us free from death's prison. Yes, we should look at the tomb, and outside the tomb, we should always look at the tomb. So where else are we looking for Jesus? 
in his word. As my friend Matthew Gibbs teaches, don't look up, look down. See the written and revealed word. See in this word the one who is the answer to the greatest question. How can I have life? How? In the Savior who gives life that is new and never-ending. Look also in his sacraments. Look at the font and look at the altar. See the holy actions where Christ's powerful word is joined with simple, visible, physical stuff so that he can deliver to us the gifts of his salvation. Finally, look at his church. For even in this not-so-impressive sanctuary, although it's dressed up nicely for Christmas, this is the Father's house. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there I am in their midst. His promise is certain. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Christ will be with us, with his redeemed people, with his church, until he brings us with souls and bodies united to full joy and perfect peace in the Father's eternal house. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.